Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This premier independent fan experience podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and brings you honest and in-depth Montreal Canadiens discussion and entertainment. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Pudney are proud to be one of your trusted sources for Habs and hockey news. If you are talking about it, so are we. Are you in the market for quality sticks and equipment you can afford? There is a no-frills, no-nonsense company that wants to provide that to you. No Name Hockey. No Name Hockey is a small Canadian company started by former pro player Jason Goulet. When he retired, he searched for sticks that felt like when he was a pro but could never find the right one or one that was reasonably priced. So he decided to start No Name Hockey. Now No Name offers high-quality, customized sticks at a fair price. They won't try to wow you with a fancy name. They will focus on providing you a pro-stock quality stick that you can afford. The cost of sticks has gone through the roof due to sponsorships and licensing fees. No Name Hockey makes sticks for the No Names and players currently making a name. And welcome to episode 127 of Habs Unfiltered. I am your host, Blaine Pudney. I am joined now by my co-hosts, Matt Smith. Cheers. And Treg Wilson. Deuces. So tonight's episode is super special because all three of us are here together at the same time for the first time in a few episodes. So, uh, it's been a while. It's been a while. Uh, yeah. Someone's not pretending they're, you know... I'm working so hard, Air Force type. <laughs> Do you know what? When I first when I first got the Zoom call, I thought it was an hour prior. So I actually set up. I was still in uniform. So sorry, YouTube. You almost saw me in uniform, but it didn't happen this time. Maybe next time. I don't. I don't know, man. That would have been. Uh, I, I don't know if I had enough fluids for that. Oh, we might. We might get an all time attendance record. I don't know. That would have been. <laughs> uh, Kim Kardashian break the internet type shit. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> maybe. Maybe in the next show. Maybe the next show. Well, I, I see you got some champagne with you anyway. 
Yeah, always. So, uh, yeah, so uh, shout out to uh, Sawdust City Brewing Company. Uh, this, is a, this is a fantastic stout that I'm enjoying tonight. And happy St. Patrick's Day to everybody. Happy St. Patrick's Day. I'm enjoying a nice Guinness. Staying I'm in the. Uh... <laughs> I'm drinking water. Wow. <laughs> I've decided to partake in the, an occasional beer. And tonight, because it's St. Patrick's Day, so uh, Aaron Gobra to every Irish person who doesn't celebrate and happy St. Patrick's Day to everyone else who wants to pretend to be Irish while they get drunk tonight. And a special shout out to our friends at McLean's Pub who uh, have graciously stated they will host our next get-together with the Habilison boys. And, uh, you know, we'll light it up with some fireball. Fantastic. Looking forward to that. Oh, All right, I'll drink that night. Yeah, oh, you, yeah. You're, you're damn right you will. <laughs> We gotta show we gotta show those boys from Toronto what's what. That's right. So uh, it's uh, it's we're recording right now. It's Wednesday night. It's just before the the Canadians take on the Winnipeg Jets in their second game of their two game set. But uh, what we're gonna cover, we covered a little bit of the Winnipeg series last episode. We'll talk a little bit about it tonight. But we're also gonna talk about Bergevin's press conference, uh, our thoughts. A uh, little bit of the deadline. Uh, we'll talk about uh, some prospect talk. And we have a mailbag. Got a few questions in from some friends. And we're going to cover those as well. So I say we just jump right into it. And let's begin with the suspension of Laval Rocket forward Veilleux, who got a two-game suspension for making a obscene gesture to the Marley's bench after scoring a goal. Um, if anyone hasn't seen it, if you're watching us on YouTube, he did this. Uh, for anyone who doesn't have us on YouTube right now and is listening to us in their car or whatnot, uh, yeah, he made a blowjob gesture to the Marley's bench, and he took a two-game suspension for it. Um, so, hey, that's in the rule book. Don't do it. And you're not going to get suspended, but he did. So he did. Sure. He wasn't asking for a water bottle. Well, it's been rumored. He was asking for water, but I mean, in, in the COVID in COVID times, maybe it's best not take the water from, you know, out of towners. <laughs> I, you know what? Like for me, I think it's just, I think it's just a bunch of horse shit. You know what I mean? Like it's that, that that's, yeah. that's a finable thing. You look what Scott St- Sabrin did the other night, taking out Primo and then, uh, and then like just jumping uh, Vedemo and he only getting a one game suspension. Like you take the two of it, well, a guy going like this, as opposed to someone running a goalie and jumping another player. I think that's a little bit Bush league, but it is what it is. So, well, I mean, think about the, the pain and suffering that the Marlies were subjected to. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 100%. Having to, having to face an obscene gesture that they have given themselves at many times. Absolutely. Yeah. That's I'm all sure, good. Like that's, I'm sure that's all I'm going to say about that. That's I'm sure most of them had some uncle that did it you know, in front of them. So yeah, more than likely. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So we'll, uh, we'll, that ends that uh, we'll move on now to uh, Mark Bergevin's press conference. So uh, yesterday he had his mid season press conference 
And he basically sat in front of the press for an hour. They asked him a bunch of questions and he tiptoed around everything as is what he does. Some of the media kind of said, well, this just proves that he is not going to make any deals. He doesn't want to make a trade, you know, whatever. The truth of the matter is he went out of his way not to answer questions, but he did kind of drop a few hints that he's willing to make some moves. So Treg, what did you make of it? Uh, I think Bergevin did exactly what he always does. He holds his cards close to his chest. Um, he brought up some good points. He said, I really don't have the cap space to go out and make a major move. Um, and I'm paraphrasing things because that's not exactly yeah. what he said. But uh, um, he believes Sherrod will be back closer to the six weeks than the eight weeks, which means he'll be back before the end of the season. And that right um, there is a big reason why he doesn't have the cap space. Because if he comes back before the end of the season, that cap comes back on the cap and he has to be able to pay that person and whoever he trades for. Right. So he literally, yeah, there'd be a lot of shuffling to do for that last four or five games of the season and with yeah. Sherratt coming back, which actually would be, I think, six or seven games left in the season. But uh, um, he, he didn't say he didn't want to trade. He actually did say, he wants to improve the team. Like yeah. he, he does want to improve the team. He just really needs to work around the cap in order to do so. So to me, I take that as we're not getting any major player like Ekholm or someone or Stahl or someone like that. We're not getting a major player. Uh, look to see him bring in a, a, a maybe another defenseman at a lower pay uh uh glenn denning said i say that right glenn denning, glenn denning from Zidane. glenn denning yeah. he uh his name's been thrown around there i think he'd be a great pickup for uh, montreal uh for depth down the center um he never said anybody's name at the press conference i'm just throwing it out there but i think we should look if he's going to make a move we're going to look at something similar to that like something as some fans would say garbage players um but uh, he's confident in the team. He's confident where the team is. He believes this team is a playoff team. Uh, he stressed this team is a playoff team. He never said this team was a contender. He never said this team was a, a Stanley Cup hopeful. He said we are a playoff team and anything happens can happen when we hit the playoffs, something he said forever. But, uh, and the reason I say that is because there's a lot of Habs fans out there who are under the assumption based on the first 10 games of the season that this team is a contender and it never was. It never was a contender. It was no. just a strong playoff team. That's it. No. So. In that in that press conference, he did make a he did drop a couple of hints. Like you said, he he said he's willing to improve the team and he never mentioned I'm not willing to trade the future either. You know, that's no, that's not. been a that's been a staple of his every time he does a press conference they ask him a question and he normally says i'm not going to give up any futures but he didn't even say that this time so that in of itself tells me that he is willing to trade some of the prospects and some picks to make the right deal and, and we, we all know what they need it, it's we know there. what they need but i just don't think he's going to go out and get the high end of yeah, I don't expect a, don't expect an Ekholm is prob is what I'm saying like that. No, I do, like <laughs> I mean any moment now. 
like I understand any top free agent or top person that goes on the trade deadline is automatically headed to Montreal. Uh, and if they don't get there, then GM didn't do his jo- then Bergevin didn't do his job. I get that. Um, but he did allude to the fact though he wasn't going to make a trade just to make a trade. No. Uh, so he, in, which is another thing that he says quite often. Um, but I think he's really, uh, which is ironic. I think he's really, people are complaining about too much, not enough cap now. And for three years, they're complaining about not spending to the cap. Too but much, anyway, yeah. um, you really got to play around with the cap. Now, if he can get rid of a Paul Byron or someone like that in a trade, perfect. There's teams, Chicago has been mentioned as one of those teams that's willing to take on a contract if you pay them to do so. So uh, if he wants to move Byron to make some space, he's got 14 picks this year, 10 next year. He could easily give up a second, easily give up a second to just drop that contract. And this year's draft's not going to be a deep or good draft at all. Well... Um, there's just well, so there's much. So, uns- there's so much uncertainty behind it because yeah, scouts haven't really been able to go out and take a look, right? There's some it's, good it's, players. Yeah, but not it's not like it's, it's not like it's the well. We don't know. Like mm. uh, when it comes to when it comes to the draft and everything, like usually we're pretty in tune into it. But with with the, with the, the league's not playing, it's not like we've been talking about it. It's not like we've been really been able to do um, any research on it. Like we've been able to uh, to talk to Grant a little bit. We've been able to talk to some other connections that we have within the hockey world. But you know, you know who the big players are when it comes to who's going to be maybe in the top five. But other than that, usually at this time of the year, we're talking you know fifteen twenty picks deep. You know, this guy can go here, this guy can go here, and other than that, that's pretty much it. So it's it's going to be a real crapshoot, and you know, I kind of feel bad for the scouting staff of all the teams throughout the league, and and. Um, and all the scouts that right now are really watching uh, old coverage, trying to piece together who who's going to go uh, with some of these picks. Look to see a lot of European NCAA guys go. Yeah, absolutely, draft. absolutely. Yeah, hundred yeah. yeah. percent. Yeah, um, that's that's a bit off topic. Uh, the only way I see Bergevin getting a left top four left handed defenseman is if he gets a deal like Toronto did for Muzzin. Well, yeah, and that's been that's been rumored as yeah. well. But back to the draft, I think that it that does play into this because mm-hmm. teams that are rebu- that are out of the playoffs already when they want to make a deal they're going to probably want multiple draft picks so because they want more chances to make it happen yeah. so in the muzzin type deal for an ekholm i would not be surprised to see a couple of prospects and maybe a couple of seconds or you know that first kind of idea second. yeah a first and a second or a couple of new prospects. So they, they have a known prospect quanta quality plus a mm. couple of picks that they can, they can use to try and get uh, make a hit. Um, it's time for Bergevin to lose a deal to get the right piece. You know, you know what I mean? Like uh, give up that first and a, and a good prospect for a player that, in about four or five years, everybody knows that that player is going to be pointless, uh, useless for the Canadians anymore. And those that pick and that prospect are probably going to look really good on their new team. So Bergevin is going to be seen as losing the deal. But you got to lose a deal to make the right move. He's won tons of trades, but where's the team at right now? Well, the way I look at it, we brought this up last episode, is about uh, where does he see this team right now? 
Does he see this team as a possible contending team if he makes a couple moves here or there? Or does he see this team contending in a year or two? Exactly. If he sees a team contending in a year or two, he's not going to make that move. Well, He's not going to lose that trade. My counterpoint on that is if he does make that trade, he's not going to go for an older player. He'd be, he'd probably go for a younger player that would fit in longer. Yeah. I'm just saying, yeah. You know, I mean, if we look at it, he's going to want a guy with term, not with just not a free agent, not a, not a rental. He's going to want a guy with term. He's going to want a guy probably around 27 to 30. Um, You know what I mean? And if he doesn't feel that they're a contender now or they could, they could win the cup now. I don't, I just don't see him. Bergevin is a very safe GM when it comes to making moves. He's a small ball kind of guy. Correct. He doesn't want to go out and make that big splash. Uh, He will in the off season, but he doesn't want to do it during the season, which I think is a bad thing about Bergevin. Like, Personally, I think he got a. He's too I mean, conservative we, at times. Too conservative. We can go back to the when Price got injured and they went and got Scribbins. There's all kinds of goaltenders he could have went out and got. Yeah. That'd be number one. That could have helped that team at least make the playoffs. And he goes out and trades Cassian for Scribbins. Now, so, kind of uh, kind of along that point where I'm talking about guys with, uh, like you mentioned, guys with term. I mentioned an age thing. You, you gave an age gap, an age range. Uh, I wrote an article for the hockey writers just uh, the other day. And I mentioned, yeah, speaking of toot toot. Uh, sp- I mentioned Vince Dunn as a puck mover. That's available. Vince Dunn is available. They've been shopping him. Uh, he's got a contract of about 1.87. He's only got this year, but he's an RFA and 25 years old. So he's got a Stanley cup ring. He has had thir- a couple of 30-plus point seasons. He is a, he's a known commodity on a second pairing, and he knows a few of the players on the Canadiens team already. So I think he would be a fit for what they're looking for. He's not a top-pair guy, but they can get him at a decent price, and he would fit a need. So what do you guys think of something along that line? Is that more doable? I think Dunn would be more doable than Ekholm for sure. I think Ekholm is going to be the top. It's, it's, he's going to be the top prize. I think yeah. for in terms of defensemen, you're probably looking at for a left-handed guy, you're probably looking at Ekholm being the top guy, and for your right side, you're probably looking at David Savard and Columbus. Um, someone that's going to eat up minutes, can play physical. It's not going to put up a lot of points, but it's going to block shot. And it's going to make you really hard, uh, really hard to play against. Another guy that I'd be looking at. Maybe for the Canadians, but more or less someone that's probably going to move. Um, Dallas hasn't really had a really good season. I look at a guy like Alessiak to maybe move. Um, you know, big body, block shots, throw throw the body, put up points here and there. Obviously not the fleetest of foot, um, but I think we can see him moving as well. Um, and other ones would be out in New Jersey. Uh, maybe a guy like Sammy Vatnin who in the past has been able to put up points here and there, not saying for the Canadians, but could move. And the other one being Dmitry Kulikov, another guy that's uh, a veteran not guy. Soon. Yeah. I don't think that's going to happen. Not, uh, not, with, no, not with that. No, <laughs> not at 9 million. Exactly. Um, those would be the guys that I'd be looking at. Um, any of those guys could 
you know, be on the Canadians radar. Who knows? They all bring a, a different skill set, of course. And I do like what Treg said about Glenn Denning. And uh, Glenn Denning is a guy that uh, would jump into like a penalty kill role and key face-off guy, matchup guy type thing. Um in terms of his face-off percentage, as we know, he's really good at face-offs. This year, he's sixty-four point three percent. That's okay. Which would be absolutely incredible in the Canadians. That is an outlier for him. He's normally a fifty-five percent type of guy, which yeah. is still really good. This, this year, he's just whatever, he's whatever. Yeah, whatever he's putting in his weedies, he's winning his face-offs. Um, but another one. Um, this is another guy that I kind of. Uh, I've been watching a little bit. I saw, you know, I saw him play a little bit in the KHL is uh, Artem Zoop out of Ottawa. Another guy that's be more of a, uh, a five, six guy, but he's a depth guy. And for an Ottawa team, he's, he's not out of place and he's, he's looking, he's looking pretty decent as a, oh, as a defenseman. With the Canadians, they already have that. They have Kulak that's true. That's and true. they have Mete who can jump into a six role. Uh, uh, even Romanov, Romanov's if, been moved up a little bit, but if they're looking for a top four too. guy, if they're looking for a top four guy and it doesn't really matter about left yeah. or right side, I would go with, uh, I would go with Dunn or David Savard, depending on what they're looking for. The only thing is David Savard's making just, just over four mil. Um, yeah, and he's a free just, agent. And the, the yeah, and he's a free agent. And um, the other one I'd look at just because, just because he's not that expensive, he's just making over two mil is Alessiak. He might not be the fleetest of foot, but he's going to, he's going to eat up minutes. I'm I, I'm going to say Alessiak. No, Montreal needs a no. puck moving. Def- Montreal needs a better Mete. They need a puck moving defenseman who can skate. Dunn would be my, Dunn would be my first choice. Dunn to me is the perfect choice and the perfect pick for Montreal to go out and pick up. And the reason I say that is because like Blaine said, he's played with Edmondson and he's played with Allen, not yep. on the same line as Edmondson, yep. but he played with Edmondson playing with Allen. He's a left-handed shot. He can move the puck. He can skate. He can do everything Montreal needs on the left side, and I think he'd be a perfect complement for Shea Weber. Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah. And he's and he's quarterback second or second wave power play as well. Correct, yeah. So, so he, he could do that in Montreal take, quite easily. Yeah, you could almost take Weber off the power play and put Dunn on it. And, I know a lot of people have been talking about Ekholm, but it's kind of like he's got – the thing is, like, he's, he's, the, the price is going to be mm-hmm. – the price is going to be high. And by price, you can get not the cap. Oh. It's the actual. It's the actual acquisition of, for yeah, him. Yeah. Would I love to see him with Shea Weber or Jeff Petrie? Absolutely, I think he'd oh, be yeah. just a phenomenal add to that team, and it would it would it would bring them to the next level in their defensive core. Um, but do I see it as 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 doable, especially being so close to the cap without having to say, "Well, we'll give you this as well." plus plus so you can eat these contracts it's just i don't think it's i just don't think it's worth it in the long yeah, run the logistics of an ekholm trade are just he's gonna have to make another trade with someone else just to take a player off his that's hands. right and then and that's so, that's where the add, chicago add to it to do it yeah yeah that's where moving byron to chicago for a second and then something else would have to happen it would have to be uh, it would have to be done at least with Vince Dunn is yes, he's an RFA, but you still can control an RFA. You can still sit there and say, I'm the first guy that he has to sign with. Yeah. At least with Vince Dunn, he fits under the cap. He's 1.8. They could get him now if they wanted to. And yeah. the cap's not going to hurt them. And uh, even when Sherratt comes back and 
yeah, then you can can bring him over and say, all right, we're going to sign you to this. And then you have your young top four puck moving left-handed defenseman. Uh, He's not a first pairing. Blaine's absolutely right. But like we said, Weber needs to drop down to the second pairing anyway. There's your second pairing done in, uh, in Weber. Then you got Petrie and Edmonton Edmondson. or Kulak or whoever yeah. you want to pick up next season. And, uh, you know, Bob's your uncle. You, you kind of help solidify that puck mover on the left side. Maybe not the guy you want, not that number one guy you want, but that guy. And you also you have to keep in mind any move made now also has to be, you have to play into the expansion draft that's going to happen in July. Well, Don is an RFA won't matter anyway because he's an RFA. So he would still need he would still be he would able still to need claimed. to be protected. Still need to be yeah. protected. Yeah. But if you have uh, Don, if he was you could... a, if he if he was a U if he was a UFA, it would be a different story. Because then they could be like secret handshake and yeah. Yeah, don't um, sign with this team. We'll bring you back. Um, but with uh, with that, if you have done. With Romanov and Dunn, and what you can put Ed, you don't have to protect Edmondson and Sherratt. You can afford to lose one of those guys, so it's not. You really would lose. You, you would probably end up losing one of those guys for sure at that point. If they don't take Allen. Yeah. Well, Al, it's Allen, Edmondson, Sherratt. Those are pretty much the main targets out of the Canadians next Correct. at yeah. that draft. Yeah. Now, so maybe like, there's a deal that could be put in place where he can say, "Hey, I'm going to give you a." draft pick if you just don't take this yeah. guy take, take somebody else yeah maybe maybe no. yeah hey you never know you never know you never know expect the unexpected except when it's expected then it's expect the Not expected really yeah. yeah but uh on the on the tone of bergevin's press conference i mean i don't know what people did expect uh, he is not someone, like you said, he's someone that keeps it close to his chest, uh, plays his cards close to his vest. Um, there was a lot of contrasting of Bergevin's press conference style versus uh, Toronto's GM Dubas's style. Dubas basically came out and said, this is what I'm looking for. This is who, uh, this is basically what I'm going to be going for. He didn't name names, but he may as well have. Um, and, and fans all over the Twitter scape were, oh, look at look at this. This is way better. But is it? Is is it really? I mean, does a GM really need to tell everyone his plan with uh, for them to actually know what his plan is? Couldn't you Leafs just fans look at what he's it was done? A great idea. Least fans thought it was a great idea. Yeah, of course. Um, it, adds, it 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 adds to the um, the lack of uh, Maple Leafs coverage on Sportsnet and TSN. That's for sure. If only we knew. Well, they're not playing all week, so we had to say something and say, "Hey, yeah, look at us." This is probably why and, I'm and we don't know, any... and we and we and we don't know the soap opera that is Austin Matthews' wrist either. So, yeah, apparently he washed dishes with it the other day. That was on uh, Sportsnet. Yeah. So. Well, that that's that's maybe if it, all. Maybe that's what Vio was doing. He's like, "Oh, how's how's, how's Austin's wrist?" There you go. That must have been it. <laughs> there you go. He's just like, how's his wrist? Um, has to be it. Dubas, uh, I mean, it's, he's not the first GM to do that. And it's not like nope. nobody does. It's not like anyone doesn't know what the Leafs need. Um, I'm shocked that they come out and said they needed anything because according to their fan base on Twitter, they're the greatest team ever assembled. So, yeah, um, But I'm contrasting so, the, 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 the approach. So you have one that's – he's just laying it out there and another who – 
doesn't Bergevin's really want to always been it. a guy that's bring that's that as Trike said, he, he holds his cards to his chest yeah. and um he's like, Yeah, I'm not gonna do that or I'm not gonna do this, or I'm not gonna give up this, or I'm not gonna give up this. Look at the moves that Justin have been made this year within the team. Like we yeah. didn't think that the goaltending coach was gonna get fired. It happened. Neither did he. <laughs> yeah, neither did he. Yeah. We yeah. didn't know we didn't we didn't you know we, we we had discussed a little bit about Julian. It happened. Right? The whole when when Shea Weber came to the team, do we see that coming? No, we sure as hell did not. No, we didn't know Shea Weber was coming, but when he said I'm not shopping PK, he didn't lie. He no. wasn't the one calling around, no. but he wasn't saying I am not trading PK. That's right. And that's, see that's, and Blaine, you brought up a good point about Bergevin. It's you really got to listen to what he actually says. Yeah. Cause, or what he doesn't say now, all his other pressers after season or whatever, or deadline season, mid season, he's always said, I am not giving up the future. I'm not sacrificing the future for a player that's going to help us just today. In other words, what he's saying is if I get a player that's going to be with this team for the next four or five years, is really going to improve this team, I'll trade that prospect, yeah. right? This conference, he didn't say any of that. Nope. He just said, I want to improve the team. I want to make this team move forward. And what he said was, I don't want to get a player that's not going to help this team move forward. Is all he really said. So in other words, unless this player is going to help this team be better, I'm not just making a trade for anyone. But he never came out and said – nobody's off the table. He never said no one's untouchable. Nothing like that. He just said, you know, and you really got to watch the way Bergen's very, I mean, except when he's talking to Apron there and he just kind of gets pissy as soon as he opens his mouth. And then, <laughs> yeah, uh, there's a little bit of animosity between those two for sure. Yeah. Cause I mean, you can see uh, one of the French guys came on, you can see him start smiling and going on. And the questions yeah. were similar to what Apron was saying only in French and you get an Apron comes on. He's just like, fuck off Apron. Like basically is, <laughs> but I think is what he wanted to say, but he didn't. <laughs> um, so yeah, you really got to watch with it. And going back to Dubis, I think that's a mistake. I think to, to show everyone exactly what you want, because now they're going to say, Oh, you want Echo? Well, I want this, this. Oh, and you're saying all these guys are available? That's and that's the thing. Is I'll take bit, all this yeah. and you can have that home. Yeah. Oh, well, that's too much. Well, you're the one who wants them, and you're the one that said that they were available. I, I think it's I think it's good that Bergevin is the way that he is, right? He, in a way, you know, yeah. In a way, he, yeah. He does, he, you know, and and the same thing with the organization. I I don't I don't mind that they're you know a little bit of a behind closed doors type organization. I don't, we don't I need don't to know, we don't need to, we don't need to know every in and out of the organization. I don't need to know every little detail. I do. Well, I need you to know might. everything. Well, you might just be in preparation for the for the uh, for the, the arm wrestling match, match and I everything. You get to know his weak. You have to know his weaknesses, right? So. And what and what uh, supplements they're taking. I, I need to know this. So. <laughs> Absolutely, it's a lot of bio steel. I can match them. It's all. Bio I, don't, I don't. I don't take bio steel. I don't. <laughs> well, you're drinking take, pink right now. No, no, no. That's just Mio. This is water and Mio. Mio and HGH. I, I have all, I, I use all Max and Man. It's a testosterone booster. Yeah, exactly. That's a pill form. Yeah. Suppository. <laughs> Crush it up, put it. Yeah. That's the way to go. No, but um, I, I mean, I, I understand the point of view of wanting to keep things close to the vest. And I, 
I totally understand people's need to know more. And I agree in this, in the trade portion of it, in the asset management portion, I have no problem with him being a little bit more cagey. Uh, but like we've just been talking about, you have to really pay attention to what he's saying and what he's omitting because he, he likes to play these little games when he is talking to the press, like with the PK Subin thing. He never said he is off the table. He just said, I am not shopping him, which means he's open to moving him as long as you make the right deal. Uh, and we he's, feel like we, he's not calling you to move him. He's no. going to wait for you to call him. Exactly. So yeah. that's his way of saying to everyone, Hey, I'm open. Come give me a phone call. And when it came to, when it comes to a player, that's going to move the team forward. You're right. He said, he basically said he want, he needs a big name player. He's willing to pay for that big name player, but it has to be the right price. He's not going to overpay for the guy either. Whereas with, and I'm only mentioning Dubas because they had the press conference at the same day at the same time and people are comparing them on Twitter for day, for a couple of days now. And with Dubas's approach, he basically lays out all my prospects are available. I want this and I'm going to make it happen. So how much, how much higher does the price go? Like Matt, you mentioned it. If he calls a GM, like let's say he calls for Ekholm yeah. and it's a Muzzin type deal. Yeah. Nor, it's a first and a couple of prospects. Well, now those two prospects go from a, a B and a couple of B's to a couple That's right. of A's. If he, if he opens yeah. his mouth and he says, this are the guys that are available. These are the guys they're going to ask about. They're not yeah. going to start with your BC prospects. They're going to be like, well, you, you mentioned top prospects. So they're going to start talking about guys like your top prospects. Uh, they're going to talk about, they're going to talk Robertson, Sandin, Amirov, et cetera. Yep. They're not yep. going to start with the guys that are lower tier. But if you look at the least top, pro- they don't really have. They only have they, like a they only have of, a hand. They only have a handful to begin with, right? I mean, Robertson, as much as they've been touting him as this big name thing, he's he's a middle six guy. Once he gets yeah, to the NHL, yeah, I agree. which is good. It's it's good. He was a second round pick, so hell, that's yeah. a great pick. Um, Amirov would probably be the the top uh, offensive pick because. He's only got that one. He has. It's not even draft plus one for him yet, and he's yeah. already doing very well over in Europe. That's right. And and then you have uh, Sandin and Lindgren. Yeah, Letton they already traded. So uh, yeah, but, but he Sand- wasn't much of a prospect. He was more. Letton was a, was a KHL guy. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I thought yeah. judging by Twitter when they got him, he was going to be the next <laughs> best uh, defenseman in the league. Yeah, because uh, he led the KHL in defense scoring. But anyway, um, but then and they have Sandin and Lindgren Sandin. and. And then yeah. that's, that's about it. They don't really. And I wouldn't even, I would, have. I would classify out of those two. I would classify Sandin as a, a, a class, a prospect. Mm. Ligrin, maybe, uh, maybe a B, but I thought Sandin, NHL, and but Sandin are, are probably their two best prospects. Yeah. So right off the top, if I was, if I was Poyle, I'd be, I'd mention both those names and a first but, and say, yeah. I want that. And, and they also happen. they also talked about giving you know giving up a, a draft pick and everything like that. Yeah, right? so, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, Dubis, I think, is in a he's in a tight spot because I will admit yeah. he has worked the cap like magic. He has somehow they have a team that fits. Somehow he fits everyone under the cap. I don't think their team this year is as good as their team was last year, and their team last year wasn't far from not making the playoffs. But that's just me saying this, like. 
in a normal NHL. I don't think Toronto would have the record be as good as they are. Uh, but he is in a – his pressure is to win. His pressure is to win in the playoffs and make a mark because if he doesn't, he's spending all this money on all these top players for absolutely nothing. I and think I have, think I think he knows yet. I think he knows the pressure is starting to get to get on him. Yeah. yeah. Because you throw out so much money for all these players, they do so many good things during the regular season and they can't do anything in the playoffs. And it's been like that year after year after year. It was like that when before he was in there yeah. and now it's it's like that the same thing. It doesn't, you know, you can win. You could go eighty-two and zero in the in the in the regular season. It you, doesn't matter. You fl- you fizzle out in your first round. That's what that's what everyone's going to talk about. Well, look at what happened to Tampa Bay. They, uh, they walked away with the President's Trophy, absolutely as the top team, and, and then, then they, they lose in four straight to, uh, uh, exactly. to Columbus. Exactly. I mean, but then the Toronto, following year they win the cup. So, yeah. but yeah. Toronto hasn't moved forward. Like, that's I, I, like I agree with you, Matt. They just haven't moved forward. Like Dubas has done, hey, I got all these star players. Yep. I got everybody fitting under the cap. Yep. Uh, I improved my defense a little, yep. right? But they yep. haven't moved forward. There is yep. no movement forward. Yep. Regular yeah, so the- season, hey, we got 100 points. Where, what have you done with that? Yep. Absolutely not. Yep. So their yep. their pressure is to win now. They're, that's his yep. pressure. That is Dubas's pressure is win now. Whereas Bergevin's pressure is get your ass in the playoffs right now. Now, I don't believe that he will have a job if he fails to act. So he is at this point now where the expectations for the team to make the playoffs. We all agree that that's, that's where this team is at. Yeah, that's I'd say that's so. the expectation. Yeah. Yeah. That's, been, that's been actually verbalized by Molson, by Bergevin. If he fails to make the playoffs in this Canadian division, and he didn't even move at the trade deadline to fill a veteran center, uh, go for another defenseman to help push the team forward a little bit. They don't even have to, they don't have to be start players, but just fill those gaps. If he doesn't yeah. do that at the and they miss the playoffs, I think that he is going to be out of a job. I I think he has to do it now. Doing a trade like that at the trade deadline is not getting you in the playoffs because you're only nope. going to have the guy for four games. That's right. That's right. Um, he has unless to you're it. unless you're trading within the Canadian division, right? I and who's going to trade within the Canadian division? When the only guy, it, the it depends guy because the teams, the only team, like right now, like, I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to count out Ottawa because they've been a thorn in the side of every Canadian, every team in this fucking division this year. Um, yeah, well, exactly. So like earlier on in the season, when when uh, when Montreal was beating the hell out of Vancouver, I would be like, well, maybe we could look at Vancouver as a possible option. But, you know, the way it sits right now, like they're up 2-1 on Ottawa as we speak. Um, they're slowly coming up. The They're slowly coming up. So is Calgary. Edmonton's getting hotter. Winnipeg is doing the same thing. And, like, we're seeing, we're seeing um, ups and downs throughout the division where teams are kind of are, you know, they're, they're bouncing around these, whatever these positions are going to be. So it's, it's, it wouldn't even be easy to make one within the Canadian division at this point. I, the way I look at it is I, I kind of disagree with you, Blaine. I think Bergevin's, but we talked about this at the glass show. I think Bergevin's safe only because Molson's not going to pay two coaches and two GMs. He has one year left on yeah. his contract. Yeah. I don't see Molson wanting to do that. 
Uh, I think he needs to make a move. I think he needs, I'm pretty sure they're going to make the playoffs. Like I'm pretty confident they will. Uh, I think Edmonton's going to be the odd team out, but uh, he needs to make another move, make some player moves. He's done the coaching moves. He's done the, all that kind of stuff. Now he has to improve on the ice. Uh, he thought he did that in the off season. Now so, he knows he needs the defenseman. He needs the face-off winner. He needs to solidify the center. So right now, would you say, say a fourth line center guy, like a fourth line, third line, whatever center. So let's just say fourth line center, probably their priority right now and a puck moving defenseman. Yeah. Yes. And, yeah. And it doesn't have to be a top line. No. no. Okay. But so, so you're saying, so like we brought up, we brought up Glenn Denning and Vince Dunn. Yep. Yeah, if you got those two pieces, you got those you're looking two. at a team that do well. Okay, so Glenn Dennings, I think Glenn Dennings making 1.8 mil for the rest of the year, and he's UFA at the end of the year. Okay, um, Dunn, I Dunn's RFA at the end of the year, and 1.87 at 1.87. Okay, so Dunn has proved he's shown that he he can he can play up and down the lineup. He's won a cup. Um, I'm not going to ask what you would give up for him. But in terms of like we're talking a little bit about the comparison from Dubas is his approach to Bergevin's approach. Who who would you say would you be prospect wise? Would you be willing to give up to make this team better right now, depending on the deal? And who and and, and who would be like your non-starters? I would give up any prospect to make the team better. They're in a position where they have to. They have all these draft picks. Yeah. All these prospects, you have to start now yep. using those prospects to bring a player and to improve the team. Okay, so I'll just ask so you straight prospects, up. I'll ask you straight up. If um, if they if they ask for Caulfield and you get Ekholm back, would you do that trade? No. Okay. Depends what now, else is added to that. Yeah, absolutely. Right. But, say, but say that was the, that was the big piece. Now, if they're saying Philip Forsberg and Ekholm, then Caulfield, sure. What else do you okay. want with Caulfield? But okay. I'm not giving up Caulfield just for Ekholm, just, okay. not just for, for a year and a half. Because okay. you have to think, too, who's going to be on the wing next year? Because Tatar is probably not going to be back. Armia's um, probably not back. Armia is probably not going to be back. You need, you need yeah. wingers. You need yeah. someone who can score. That's right. That's right. Uh, and Caulfield is going to probably be on a third line starting next year. So, yeah. and keep in mind as well, he's cost effective on an entry level deal. Oh, hundred percent. hundred percent. So that's a big, that's a big portion of what we yeah. have to look at. I in, look in my estimation, I think Caulfield's probably the only prospect I wouldn't give up unless I'm getting Eichel or freaking. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, give me a star like player Rasmus and Darlene yeah. or someone like that yeah, back there. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, all right, you yeah. guys can have Caulfield. Yeah, exactly. Because um, you got to be realistic with this. As good yeah. as we think Caulfield is, those guys are probably more impactful anyway. Yeah. So, yes. yeah. 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 But uh, um, yeah, other than Caulfield, I would say Caulfield, other than a star player coming back, is a non-starter, and the rest are okay. wide open. Okay. Sure. I I would hesitate a Norlander, but I wouldn't hesitate very long. That's the beauty with the, the, the left-handed defenseman. If they ask for a left-handed defenseman, if we lose a Norlander, you still have Harris. You still have, yeah, Struble. For, for me, there's, like there's we continue, we continue to talk about, and, 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 you know, fans and, and media, we all talk about um, the amount of draft picks the Canadians have, but with the way COVID's been and, and the fact that 
you know, we haven't been able to see these guys play. Do these draft picks really have as much weight as what they normally would? I don't think it's changed all that much. It's just the uh, most fans haven't seen some of the players. There's still going to be the, the draft is still important. Uh, yeah. Teams that are rebuilding are going to want more draft picks. Absolutely. To but offset but, that lack of but, use. But for like, in my opinion, a second, like, like second round pick seems to be like the standard. You want it. You want a sure. player. Second round pick. Second round pick. Canadians got two of them this year. Um, I don't think the first is out of uh, out of the question. This I don't year think it is either. Great player. Right. I don't think it is, is either. But say a second round pick. I don't think. I, personally, I don't think it, it has as much weight as it would in other years because we haven't seen these guys play. I, don't know I, I think. I think Blaine hit the nail on the head. It's not so much that the draft pick won't have the weight. It's so much that the other team's going to want more draft picks. To take because more chances. It's going to be more. It's going to be more of more a dartboard type scenario. Yeah, yeah because yeah. they're like, and this is why I think NCAA players and European players are going to probably do better in the draft than Canadian players, yep. just for the simple fact that they've been playing all season and scouted all season. Uh, where most yeah. of the uh, CHL players, you're going to have to go with these little mini tournaments type things that each league's kind of having. I don't think Ontario's had anything yet, have they? They're about to start soon, though. Yeah, yeah they're the Western sure Hockey League just started. They just started. Uh, the queue has yeah. been going for a bit, at least in the Maritimes, not so much in Quebec. Uh, so it's not so much. They know the talent's there with the players. A player's not going to lose his skill or talent overnight, whether he stopped playing or not. So they know the players – just from the year before where they're probably going to line up. The issue is, is I think the NCAA and the European guys may leapfrog a few players. So your later draft picks might actually better picks due to the fact that they get leapfrogged by guys who were just scouted better because they've actually played. Uh, That's what I think. Um, I just want to make an off topic point. We just talked about uh, the league starting up. Um, I'll talk about a recent draft pick. Caden Gooley, goal and assist so far in two games. Uh, unfortunate news, get a hand injury, um, being reevaluated, but it's not looking good. Um, so hopefully, hopefully he doesn't miss too much time, but with a shortened season. I think his season, season's done. His, yeah. season, his season might be coming to an end, uh, which is very unfortunate. I was really looking forward to seeing him. I thought he looked fantastic with Lavelle. I think and, he's in the uh, foul next year, regardless. I think so too. Yeah, and um, I, yeah. I'd be, I'd be hard pressed to see him without either a letter or, or either an A or a C on his chest in the juniors. Well, he's the captain of his team right now. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So I, I could see him in World Junior time having a letter as well. Yeah, A or C. Um, yeah. So I think we'll end that topic there. Take a little break, and speaking of breaks, uh, spring break. So COVID spring break is right around the corner, and you know what that means. Spring break in your pants. Manscaped is here to ensure that the party in your pants never stops. Even Veronica Corningstone wouldn't say no to this pants party. For everyone preparing for a pants party this spring break, we have an exclusive 20% discount. Use code UNFILTERED20 at manscaped.com. Manscaped is dedicated to helping you level up your full body grooming game. The Perfect Package 3.0 kit comes with the essential Lawnmower 3.0 waterproof cordless body trimmer and a ton of other liquid formulations to round out your grooming routine. This is the best trimmer on the market for those of you in need of a chest or ball shave. The third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents. 
thanks to the advanced skin safe technology pioneered by Manscaped. You can also adjust settings to a length you like, and you can get on top of it with almost no effort at all. Uh, don't ruin any vibes this spring break or upcoming summer with some peaking pubes coming out of your swimsuit. Be sure to use the Crop Cleanser Body Wash to keep your hair and skin feel healthy and fresh. Inside the perfect package, you'll find the Manscaped Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer, because we know how painful chafing can be when you're wearing your bathing suit all day. You'll also find the Crop Reviver Ball Toner, a spray-on testy toner that's designed to give your boys a little slice of heaven. For a limited time, subscribers get two free gifts, the Shed Travel Bag, a $39 value, and the patented high-performance reduced chafing Manscaped Boxers. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code UNFILTERED20 at manscaped.com. Do yourself a favor and always use the right tools for the job. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code UNFILTERED20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code UNFILTERED20. Say aloha to your new beautiful balls with Manscaped. Ah, what a break. So. I'm liking all these ads. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's, a, there's always a fresh new ad, just like the freshness you feel when you're done using your Manscaped products. That's right. <laughs> so moving on from that spring break to the mailbag. We've got a couple of questions in from our mailbag uh, from our friends and listeners. So we'll just jump right in. Uh, the first question comes from Stephen Puticombe, friend of the show. We all know Steve. Absolutely. He unfollowed me on Twitter temporarily today, but brought me back on. So, you know, I feel special. Uh, he was Twitter's out. Been, Twitter's been acting up. I noticed a bunch of people that I followed got dropped off my follow list and I had to go put them back on and, was it just a weird day? I so, don't <clears throat> notice any of that. <laughs> I, I noticed when someone said, You're not following me anymore. Like, oh shit. Nobody cares if I follow them or not. <laughs> hey, now, you're an all star. We got the video um, to prove it. I'm something. <clears throat> <laughs> so, uh, Steven sends us the question Curious with Caulfield's success south of the border. Do you think that will translate well when he reaches the NHL? 100%. Matt, I'm going to let you get to 100%. Start. 100%. Cool. He has scored goals at every level. He is he has broken records. He has lit up leagues everywhere he's went. He's dominating the league that he's in, and um, I can see him jumping right into the NHL. He's ready. He's ready. He's, he's not, maybe not the – you know, the, the team might not feel that he's ready to jump in the NHL, but I think – Joel Bouchard gets him in Laval. He's gonna be. He's gonna become his best friend. He is one hundred percent ready for pro hockey. I agree. I think he's going to. I don't think he's going to go to. I. I am currently writing an article stating that I don't think he should go to the NHL right away. Yeah. Uh, not not this season. Yeah, I agree with you one hundred percent. I think he's going to be everything we hope for in a prospect. Uh, he's going to be that natural goal scorer. He's going to be that quarterback on the power play. He, a lot of people argue that, oh, well, it's against NCAA goalies. Just look at to where the shot's going. Not so much what the, who the goalie is in the net, because it's not going to matter who the goalie is on 95% of them because they're in that small little spot between yeah. the, the crossbar and the shoulder 
or the post in the shoulder and the post in the pad. And he's just a natural, he knows how to get free ice for a small player. He knows how to move around. I have no worries about this kid going forward. I think he's going to be a future star for the Canadians. His shot is unreal. His, like, it's just the accuracy. Yeah. It's just that. unreal. It's a quick release. And to score, you need to shoot the puck. Yeah. And he shoots the puck a hell of a lot. Yeah. I don't. And I don't have any concern whatsoever. And he's an absolute steal at fifteenth overall. Thank you. Now, I I think he is NHL capable. He can step into a lineup now. I don't think he should either. I think he should play in the AHL first. Can he step into an NHL roster and help? Yeah, a little bit. I think he is NHL ready. I think that walking onto a roster now uh, where the intensity has already stepped up, we're almost at a playoff level intensity now uh, for him to jump from the NCAA to that, I think is, is asking too much. So I think to protect him and keep his confidence high, don't bring him in too quick. I mean, right now, um, uh, Wisconsin, as we record, lost in the fi- Big Ten final last night uh, to Minnesota, meaning that now Wisconsin has to wait until the, this Sunday to find out if they're going to be picked to go to the NCAA tournament to make it to the Frozen Four. Um, as the fifth-ranked team in the nation, it is very likely that Wisconsin gets picked for that tournament. So... Uh, I would not expect him to sign on Sunday because the team is probably still going to be playing uh, probably for another week. And, and this is a team that could possibly win the NCAA tournament. So it could be longer. Uh, so uh, expecting him in this, it, it, to make it to the team this season, I think might be a bit much. And I think it'd be asking too much if he did. So. Phillips was also named big 10 scoring champion. He was yeah. the Big Ten scoring champion, player of the year, uh, first team All Star, etc., etc., etc. Holby Baker Holby, finalist. Holby Baker finalist, etc. This guy is, yeah, be, this is a guy to be excited about for sure. Now, uh, Bob Hartley was on RDS uh, this more no this afternoon, and he, I agree with his take that it's going to take Caulfield a little bit of time to adjust to the speed of the NHL. Like he is going to be able to find his way and find those empty spots and get his shot. He's done it at every level. It just take, it's just going to take him a little time to adjust. And he made a comparison um, that once Caulfield does finally adjust to the NHL, he compares him as a, a cross between a Debrinkat and a Patrick Kane. I'll go with that. That's, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's a hell of a hockey player. I think he's going to be a game breaker, really. Like is he's showing, um, and we've seen we've seen him being targeted. He has been fucking nailed a couple times. Yep, and he gets back up and he keeps he keeps going. I think the only way he gets the NHL this year is if he goes to the AHL and just lights it up in the five six games that he plays in there. If he yeah. goes in there and he's like a goal a game and he looks like he doesn't belong, then I can see Montreal saying, "All right, let's bring this guy up and." see what he does on the third line right um but if and, that scenario happens by the time those games are done the playoffs are pretty much starting in the nhl he'd be a black ace at that point and i'm okay with him in the playoffs yeah. Yeah. why not like yeah. throw him in 
see what happens. So for, I hope that answers your question, uh, Stephen. Um, And hopefully we're right. And he becomes a star player. It's all on Matt. Matt's too, uh, he's very energetic about this. He's very confident about this. I am very confident about this. If he ends up being a Sherbeck, I'm blaming Matt. 100%. Because if, uh, if I, like at this point, if I, if I keep, if, Okay, I just was constantly earlier this season, and I know Jenny was not very happy about it. So, no. um, you gotta Jenny, make up to make it up to her. Jenny, I'm making way. it up to you. Caulfield is going to be a star. Remember, and your and your team did much much better than I expected. Also, uh, tomorrow is her birthday, so Matt, sing it. Come on, I, I will. I will be saying happy birthday, to Jenny. <laughs> happy birthday. <laughs> Wisconsin to you. <laughs> uh, all right. So the next question comes from FFS wheel, our friend overseas in England. His question is, do you feel the Habs will or should make a rapid trade to get a replacement for Sherratt? Or do you think uh, they'll make do with what I think we covered this a little bit earlier, but to quickly answer, I'll say they should. I highly don't think they will. I don't think they're rapid. No, they should. Yes. Don't think it's going to be the top left-handed puck moving defenseman everyone wants them to get. I think they're going to make a trade, but I don't think it's going to be fast. Yeah, I think they're going to make a trade as well. I think he's shop. I think he's shopping. I just don't think it's going to be within the next couple of days. Um, we'll see. I what think the it's next... going to be a forward, to be honest with you. We'll see what the next couple of days bring. I, I I didn't mind Willett's game the other night. He made a couple little gaffes here and there, but other than that, he was pretty solid. And he's a he's a two way guy, and he plays a physical game. He looked he he outplayed Mete in the playoffs. And honestly, like to bring him off the taxi squad and to throw him in over Mete, for me, he. He looked better than Mete did. So, yeah, he can fill in on a third pair. It'd be fine. But 100%. I would prefer they make a deal so that the third pairing has a guy like Sherrod in there on the play- come playoff time. I'm going better- to disagree with Matt. And I'm going to say Mete didn't have enough time, get enough games in to get his game going. So we can't honestly uh, rate how Mete plays based on the fact that. Ouellette was playing in Laval and got games in, got gameplay in, where Mete spent most of his time just practicing. Who the hell are you, his agent? I'm just saying. <laughs> Holy hell. I'm just saying. Mete played seven games and done absolutely nothing. <laughs> like, he has pretty much zeros across the board on everything. And, yes, his – the puck goes, goes to a stick and sounds dies. Sounds like playoff Mete. Zeros across the board. <laughs> <laughs> the puck goes to a stick and dies in the offensive zone, but his transition game is 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 probably one of the best on the team. Roulette doesn't have that. We're looking for a puck mover. So just by saying that, I think Mete should get a couple more games before they decide to throw Well, it. tonight's game against Winnipeg, there are no changes in the lineup. So it's Wynette again and Mete sits. And that, you know what? Mete, I think, is done. Mete's career in Montreal is over. If they're Speaking of done, that'd be a great fit. <laughs> done for Mete. You heard it here first. Done for Mete. I'm Mete not drinking anymore, so I'm on the Mete train. There you go. You bet it sounds like you have been, though. <laughs> I still don't think Mete's a good NHLer. I'm just saying. 
He's gonna he's to, gonna be a a guy who fair. plays for a good ten years. I mean, not bad for a fourth round pick. Yeah. Okay. So uh, our final question comes from a friend of the show who will remain nameless, as they requested. They don't want they don't want people to know they listen. I get it. I get it. And he doesn't I follow tried... me, so I'm gonna throw that out there. <laughs> <laughs> we know why. It's your hatred of Mete and your sudden turnaround. And your sudden turnaround. Okay, so our friend of the show asks, can the Canadians be consistently good over the second half now that Ducharme's system has taken hold? Matt. Go ahead, Matt. Yes. I think so. I think they're they're improving game after game. Um, I believe Bergevin's shopping for a forward and a defenseman um we've seen improvements to the youth in the in the uh, in the canadians uh, in the canadians lineup i think um suzuki may have taken a little bit of a step back but i think he's just been tired out from the uh continuous uh time that he's been playing but um we've seen a rejuvenated Jonathan Drouin. Kakaniemi looks like an absolute beast. The uh, defensive pairings, even though they've been jumbled up a little bit, have looked good. Alex Burroughs has done fantastic things with the power play. And Carey Price is back playing meaningful games, which they need to do. And every game Allen's played this year, he's given them meaningful, um, a meaningful chance to win the game. Uh, so to answer the question, 100%. I believe that uh, they're going in the right direction. There's still work to do, and that work is to do with getting that extra point if the team, if the uh, if the game goes to overtime or a shootout. Get that extra point, and, uh, you know, they've lost with seven or eight games this year in overtime or a shootout, and uh, those extra points are going to matter, and I think that's really what they should be working on. And some work on the penalty kill and face-offs would be fantastic. That's why a guy like Clendenning, I think, would be key to bring into the lineup. Treg? Uh, yeah, I do. They're 4-3-3 three, and three under Ducharme right now, and they're just now starting to get into a system. So they were winning games, or at least they're, they've only really had one bad game. That was a game in Calgary. Uh, the second game, not the first game. Uh, and... Uh, now that his system's taken hold, everything's improved. Their goals against have gone down. Their goals for has gone up. Their power play has gotten better. The only thing that hasn't gotten better is their PK. So that's why I was surprised Richardson didn't get fired at the presser because usually every presser, some coach gets fired. Um, <laughs> anyway, that's just a joke. Uh, so, yeah, I can see them getting better. I think their second half, if you look at it, I believe Montreal only has to play 500 for the rest of the season to pretty much maintain a playoff spot whereas Vancouver, Calgary, and Edmonton have to play at a 600 pace to maintain. If Montreal plays at 500, they have to play at a 600 pace to to keep pace uh, and stay where they're at. So I think Montreal will play better than 500, which to me, they'll make it. They're exactly where we said they would be at the first of the season, uh, finish around third or fourth, and they're going to battle pretty much the whole way going in. Uh everything's improving all they got to do now is just put consistent wins together and uh win in overtime 
I prefer not to go to overtime, especially in this division. Uh, but when you're constantly losing that extra point, that that's why they're in this position that they're in. Not so much because if you look at it, I think they have one of the least regular regulation time losses in the in the entire division. Yeah. Um, so those overtime losses are looming big. But yeah, I, I think they'll maintain it, and I think they'll keep their playoff spot. And as the big man uh, goes, who I think has smaller biceps than I do, uh, anything can happen in the playoffs. Okay. Well, I believe that the Canadians can find that consistency. They seem to have been finding it, barring the games in Calgary. Uh, they've been fairly consistent with their, their effort levels and how they approach the game. I think the biggest uh, upgrade that has to happen that still hasn't happened yet is on the penalty kill. Um, the power play has been looking pretty good. They've, uh, they've actually moved themselves up to about 13th overall in the NHL now, thanks to uh, Burroughs' work with the power play units and letting younger guys like Suzuki and uh, Kotkaniemi take over and flash their skill. Um, but it's the penalty kill. Once that penalty kill gets to, I would say, at about an 80 to 85% rate because you want the percentage of your penalty kill and your power play to add up to above 100% so that you have a net positive outcome from your special teams. Once you have that with a very, very strong five on five team that the Canadians have, then you're going to see consistent wins for now that we've been getting consistent efforts, but these improvements will give consistent wins and you're, that's what you're going to need uh, will the Canadians find a way to make the playoffs? I think they will. I think there is going to be a couple of moves, but yeah, to, to make an, to make some noise in the playoffs, they really got to find that, that consistency in their special teams to go with the consistency at five on five. So I hope that answers everyone's questions. Uh, that's all we had for the, uh, the mailbag. Uh, we had a few emails to, uh, have filtered at outlook.com that were, shall I say, colorful. So they, they won't make it to the air, uh, but thanks for sending them in. Um, I did not need the diagrams that were sent with that. I know how to do what, what you requested, but I, I, I don't think it's a good idea. So on that note, I want to thank uh, everyone. Were they for angry listening. ones? I'm curious now. A little angry, a little angry, uh, very descriptive. Probably my fault. <laughs> eh, more Matt. They're just jealous of his good looks. Yeah. So uh, be sure to check out our YouTube channel. Uh, we're going to have some exclusive content thrown uh, thrown out there soon. Uh, Treg, you're working on some a, a side project for that. Uh, so yeah, I just gotta yeah yeah I, yeah. yeah. So once that's uh, once yeah. It'll be out there soon. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, please be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, hit the little bell and uh, you won't miss any of the content. Uh, keep in mind as well that once we hit a certain number of YouTube followers, we will be handing out a copy of Terry Ryan's book, Fights, Films, and Folklore. Uh, that'll be yours uh, once we hit that number. Uh, so we're going to pick a random person out of our youtube followers and send that out now i'd also i really want to thank everyone for listening we have 
several longtime listeners, some some great followers, uh, good friends, and it, it's a wonderful community that we've been a part of here on with Habs Unfiltered. So I want to thank you for joining us. And remember, if you were talking about it, so are we. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network.